This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. In Mark chapter 15 and verse number 21, I invite your attention there. We've come to this passage of Scripture where the Lord Jesus Christ, having now been falsely accused, apprehended, and now tried in a puppet court, condemned by a group of envious leaders, and then convicted by corrupt politicians who sought to please men rather than to do what was right. Sounds a lot like modern-day America, doesn't it? And now the Lord Jesus, having been scourged, having the crown of thorns planted upon his head, is walking down the Via Della Rosa, the way of suffering, to Golgotha's hill, where he will make the payment for our sin. He will suffer and bleed and die to rescue a sinner like me. We come to verse number 21. I invite your attention there. We'll read through verse 41 this morning. And they compel one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. And they bring him unto the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of a skull. And they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them, what every man should take. And it was the third hour, and they crucified him. It was nine in the morning. And the superscription of the accusation was written over the king of the Jews. And with him they crucified two thieves, the one on his right hand and the other on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled. By the way, it's always fulfilled which saith, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking said among themselves with the scribes, He saved others, himself he cannot save. Let Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe and they that were crucified with him reviled him. And when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of them that stood by when they heard it said, behold, he calleth Elias, Elias. And one ran and filled a sponge full of vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink, saying, Let alone, let us see whether Elias will come to take him down. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost, and the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to the bottom. And when the centurion which stood over against him saw that he so cried out and gave up the ghost, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. There were also women looking on, Far off, among whom was Mary Magdalene, 
and Mary the mother of James the less and of Joseph and Salome who also when he was in Galilee followed him and ministered unto him and many other women which came up with him unto Jerusalem here we have the awful record of the account of the crucifixion as Mark writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit has recorded it for us we find of course these records in the four gospel records that we have in our Bible. As we come to verse number 21, we're introduced to one man, and that's where we will focus our attention this morning, on this man. The Bible says in verse 21, and they compel one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. I want to speak to you this morning on this subject, the man called to bear his cross. The man called to bear his cross. And I want you to note that not only will we note that Simon was called to bear his cross, but that each of us who are here, who know the Lord is our Savior, have been called to bear his cross. And perhaps you're here this morning and you do not know the Lord is your Savior. And like Simon, you're going about your business, passing by, maybe fulfilling some religious obligation by being in a church like this this morning. And God wants to speak to your heart and confront you with the awful truth of the cross. The Bible says in Mark chapter 8 and verse number 34, and when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. You see, the life of the disciple is the life of cross-bearing. It's a life of death to self. And that cuts painfully against the grain of our existence. We live in a Western culture, an American culture with an American brand of Christianity that teaches us that we should be prosperous, that we should be happy, that we should be fulfilled. But that's not the message of the Lord Jesus. The message of the Lord Jesus is that we are called to bear his cross. And may God help us this morning to be willing to bear it. The cross was a cruel instrument of death. It was widely used by the Romans to punish criminals and the rebels who rebelled against them, and also not only to punish but to serve as a deterrent to others who might repeat their crimes. The Jews in particular disdained the cross. It was a dreadful form of death, but it was also to them a curse. The Bible tells us in the book of Galatians, Paul writing says this in Galatians 3 and verse 13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. You see, for a Jew to die on the cross, it meant that he was bearing a curse, the curse of God. The Bible tells us in the book of Deuteronomy, and if a man have committed a sin, chapter 21 and verse 22, if a man have committed a sin worthy of death, and he be put to death, and thou hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night upon the tree, 
but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day, for he that is hanged is accursed of God. That thy land be not defiled, which the Lord thy God hath given thee for an inheritance. You see, the Jews saw the cross as the curse of God upon them, as a cruel form of Roman punishment. The awful suffering that one endured upon the cross was so great that it inspired the use of the word that we often use to describe pain, the word excruciating. It literally means out of the cross. The cross was such a painful, tormenting death, but Jesus went there for you and I. To rescue a sinner like me, he bore in his body my sin, and he took upon him the suffering and the pain and the sorrow that my sin caused, and he made the payment for you and I on the cross of Calvary. You see, the cross is truly the turning point of all human history. The cross stands, if you will, at the crossroads of your life. And it is there at the cross where you and I must choose. Will we go the broad way that leads to destruction or will we choose the narrow way that leads to life everlasting? At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light. Have you seen the light there? Simon came to see it this day. And the burden of my sin was rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I'm happy all the day. Amen. Many of our church family are carrying burdens. You brought them with you to church. No one knows the burdens you bear. There are some who may have an idea, but nobody knows like Jesus. And no one cares like Jesus. But because of his cross, I want to tell you that we have hope and we have victory. And this light affliction which is but for a moment, the Apostle Paul said, worketh for us a far more exceeding, as great as your affliction may be. God is working for us through it, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Amen. Oh, it's going to be worth it all when we see Jesus. And I want to encourage God's people this morning. Let's be faithful to him. Let's take up his cross Here's the man called to bear his cross. Now, we note three things about him this morning, and I encourage you to write them down and follow along as we look at these truths. I want you to notice with me, first of all, a man compelled to the cross. A man compelled to the cross. The Bible says again in verse 21, and they compelled. That means they, they forced him. He didn't have a choice. He was a Jew. He was there in Jerusalem, which was not his home. He was visiting because of the Passover. The Bible tells us he was a Cyrenian. He lived about 800 miles away from Jerusalem. He lived on the northern coast of Africa. He had traveled great distances to come for the Passover. This may have been an annual pilgrimage for him. It may have been a once-in-a-lifetime occurrence. But he made his way. And he came to Jerusalem, and they compelled him. He was passing by. He was coming out of the country. He had a lot to do. 
You see, as a pilgrim who has come to Jerusalem, he has to find a way to secure the offering. He has Serenian currency. He has to, he has to change that currency. He cannot go into the temple and give money into the treasury unless he has the right currency. So he has to change his currency, and then he has to purchase or secure in the markets a lamb that he can give for the sacrifice for the atonement of his sin. He's a man on a mission. He has no intention in the busyness of his life to stop and view the crucifixion. But nevertheless, as he passes by, as he's going about his life, his daily routine, his daily agenda is interrupted by the reality of the cross of Jesus Christ. And they compel him. You see, the Roman government had authority and they had power. And any Jew that was given a command by a Roman citizen or a Roman centurion or soldier especially had to stop what he was doing in order to fulfill the command he was given. You see, he had no choice. He was compelled. As he came into Jerusalem on the eve of the Sabbath, he found the city, no doubt, bustling with activity. Worshippers had come from far and near to, to take part of the Passover ceremony. But in the midst of it all, he noticed something going on. He noticed a loud mob crying out, not in joy and praise to God, not conducting the normal business of the day, but crying out in hatred and bitterness. He noticed the banners of the Roman soldiers who were blockading the streets, and he began to make his way through the crowd of people. As he was coming near, he saw the, the faces of shame and embarrassment and horror and pain upon those who could not bear to watch as they were beginning to leave. He knew something was wrong. Finally, making his way to the front of the crowd, he looked down the street and he saw the condemned as they carried their crosses on the way to Golgotha. He noticed that one in particular was horribly beaten. His visage, his face marred beyond human recognition, the crown of thorns piercing deep into his skull, blood flowing all across his body, his body riven by the dreadful scourging that he had suffered, the hateful comments of the crowd, no compassion hardly to be found, spitting on him, throwing objects at him, saying things to him. What had he done, Simon wondered. I'll tell you what he had done. He did nothing. He was innocent. He was holy. He was righteous. All of a sudden, as these thoughts occupied his mind, he heard a Roman soldier shout out, You there! Get over here. Take this cross and pick it up. He wondered, are they speaking to me? He caught the soldier's eyes, and there was no doubt the soldier was speaking to him. You. Come here, take up this cross. I want to tell you, Simon did not want to touch that cross. He wanted nothing to do with it. He did not want to be in the midst of this crowd behind the object of scorn, helping him carry the cross, the cross of the condemned. He wanted nothing to do with it, but he had no choice. He was compelled to do so. You know, Simon is a representative of Saul, is he not? on our way, doing our thing. 
and then all of a sudden an interruption comes to us? We're arrested by the truth that Jesus died on the cross for our sin, and we are called to forsake the selfish and sinful pursuit and to seek him and to follow him. Many rush through life accumulating wealth and possessions. They run about trying to accomplish the endless tasks that lie before them. But along the way, the Lord has the right to interrupt us and to call us, to compel us to his cross. Perhaps you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord is your Savior. You just have this notion, this idea that, hey, I've been invited to church or maybe today I'll go to church and you find yourself here. Just another day maybe, another church service perhaps in your mind. But this is the day when God himself wants to speak to you and confront you with the reality of your sin and he wants you to receive his offer of grace. He wants you to know that he died condemned in your place so that you could receive everlasting life. He's compelling you. He's calling you. You see, it was God in his sovereignty that led Simon to the cross that day. It was God in his sovereignty, the timing of his arrival. Maybe there were delays along the way. Maybe that's what held him up and got him there so late on the eve of the Sabbath. Maybe he was frustrated about it. Unhappy to find the situation that he found. Certainly unhappy to have to be involved in this awful procedure and procession to the cross as he carried it. But it was the sovereignty of God. By the way, let me tell you, it is the sovereignty of God that brings us to himself. The circumstances you're dealing with today, they're not by happenstance. It is because there is a God in heaven who wants to draw you to himself. Rome and its cruelty compelled Simon to the cross. We live in a harsh, hateful world, a sinful world, a cruel world, a world that as, as young people, perhaps we had hopes and dreams and aspirations, but as we grow older, as we understand, we can sing with the saints, I don't feel at home in this world anymore. We understand this world has nothing for us. We look for a city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. Rome and his cruelty compelled Simon to the cross. There was no hope in Rome, only hope in Jesus. But Christ in his love constrained Simon to the cross. Because strangely enough, when Simon got to Golgotha and laid down the beam, he couldn't let it go. Sure, he could let it go physically. But don't think for one minute he left the scene. He stayed there. And with the company, he watched this one who he had assisted, who apparently had done no wrong, who suffered such woe, who looked at Simon, perhaps in just moments, perhaps just in glances, with love in his face and compassion in his heart. And Simon, constrained by the love of Jesus, could not leave. We see a second truth this morning. Not only do we see a man who was compelled to the cross, but we see a man who was converted at the cross. 
You see, Simon's life will forever be changed. It's no longer about him. It's no longer about doing what he wants. It is now about the truth that he is a sinner, receives Christ, and he has a new life and a new mission. He is converted at the cross. Imagine Simon along the path, stumbling along as Jesus trying to bear up one end of that cross while he bore the other. Simon recognized the awful plight that Jesus was facing. The women that were there wept and bewailed him. The Lord stopped to say a word to them. Don't cry for me, he said. Cry for your children. There was a group who offered him a drink. It was a drink of wine mingled with myrrh. It was a drink that was designed to deaden the senses. It was often given to the victims of a crucifixion to help uh, anesthetize them in the midst of their suffering. But Jesus refused it. He refused relief for his mission was to endure the suffering of sin for all the world. And so Simon followed along until finally they came to the place where the soldiers rolled his body over the beams and nailed his hands and feet to the cross, lifted it into the air, and with an awful thud, it settled in the hole they had dug for it. The gasps of pain, the grimaces on his face, provided to Simon a window that allowed him to see the suffering of Jesus, the anguish of his soul and his body that was suffered for you and I. It was overwhelming, too overwhelming for him to imagine. He noted the inscription, the superscription that was placed above him, the charge. What is it that he had done wrong? No doubt he wondered, and then he sees it, the king of the Jews. That was his crime. He'd heard his name perhaps called along the way as the women cried out, Jesus. And maybe Simon, even in Cyrene, had heard the name Jesus. No doubt travelers had gone back and forth from Cyrene to Jerusalem. Perhaps he himself had gone back and forth. And perhaps he had encountered Jesus in the temple. Or maybe he met somebody along the way who was healed by Jesus. And he wondered, who is Jesus? But today he gets to see him, but he sees him not in power and glory. He sees him as a lamb that was slain, dying in his place. He hears the voices of the mockers. He sees the darkness as it descends in midday upon the cross and all the area. He hears the cries of the prisoners and their rebuke of Jesus. And then finally one repents and desires to be with Jesus and to be forgiven. And Jesus receives him and forgives him, saying, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. He heard all of that. He heard him as he cried out, forgive them for they know not what they do. God was working in his heart. He was recognizing as the centurion stood forth after the death of Jesus, after he gave up the ghost, after the earth quaked and the rocks rent, after the veil of the temple was written to the Roman soldier, the centurion stood forth and he said this. He said, truly, truly, this man, 
was the Son of God. And Simon echoed, Amen. You see, something happened to him that day. He was confronted with Jesus. He was confronted with his sin, and he was a changed man. He was a converted man. Have you been to the cross? Have you been to Jesus for the saving, cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in his grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? I invite you today to come to Jesus and be made clean, be saved from the awful penalty of your sin. Jesus bore it on the cross because he loved you, because he wants to save you, and you're here today to hear the message. Would you come to him? Jesus said, if you'll come to me, I will not cast you out. I will in no wise cast you out. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what you've done. I want to tell you there is mercy and grace at the foot of the cross if you'll come to Jesus. Mark, as he wrote this record in Mark 15 and verse number 21, tells us just a little bit, just barely a little bit about Simon. He says in the concluding part of verse 21 that he was the father of Alexander and Rufus. Now remember, Mark is addressing a Roman audience. And this audience apparently knows these two men so well, he doesn't give them any background. He says, oh yeah, Simon, he's the father of Alexander and Rufus. And his readers would immediately know who that is. You know what that shows us? You know what that tells us? It tells us that the church knew those boys. Those boys were Christians. And the reason they were Christians is because their daddy got saved that day. You see, daddy left the cross eventually coming back to Cyrene and he set his wife and kids down and said, I went to offer a lamb for my atonement. But I found when I got there, God had already provided one. And I helped him. I helped him carry the wood yonder up the hill to the top of the mountain. And I thought, we have the wood. Where is the sacrifice? And just then, as Abraham did and Isaac did, we looked into the thicket. The awful thicket filled with the sin of humanity, filled with the love of God, filled with the justice of God. And there in the midst of the thicket was a ram caught by his horns. And he was the sacrifice. He died in my place. And I knew that the suffering one who hung upon the tree died for me. And I believed in him, and he saved me, and he forgave me. You see, Simon was a man compelled to the cross, and he was a man converted to the cross, and then finally he was a man conformed to the cross. After he laid it down, he couldn't let it go. In fact, he never let it down the rest of his life. He continued to carry that cross daily. What was it that the Lord Jesus said? That we're to daily take up the cross. Daily we're to carry the cross. In Mark chapter number 10, in verse 21, he said to that rich young ruler who had an idol in his heart, 
He fulfilled the law. He kept it outwardly. He did all the things he was supposed to. But inwardly he had an idol in his heart. The Lord Jesus said to him, he said, One thing thou lackest, school thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come take up the cross. What? Take up the cursed thing? Take up the instrument of death? Yes, take it up and follow me. That's what the Lord has called us to. In Matthew 11 and verse 28, what did he say? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Pick up your end of the cross. I've got the other end. In fact, I've got the heavy end, but take it up with me and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Paul said that that light affliction, just for a moment, right? Worketh for us, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Spurgeon commenting on this passage says this. He said, some of you professors, and what he means by professors are professors of faith in Christ. Those of you who have put your faith in Christ, some of you professors have not yet found perfect rest. And the reason is because you have looked to the cross for pardon but you have never taken to cross-bearing as an occupation. You're hoping in Christ, but not living for Christ. The finding of rest unto your soul will come to you in having something to do or to bear for Jesus. Take my yoke upon you, and you shall find rest for your souls. There are many ways, then, of bearing the cross for Christ, and there are many reasons why some here present should begin at once to carry the load. This is no time to lay it down. We live in a selfish, self-absorbed culture where it's all about us. It's all about us as individuals. Don't you see the ramifications of that? Don't you see institutions crumbling, households crumbling, marriages crumbling, workplaces unable to find employees who are dependable and faithful? Churches that can't go forward for God because it's filled with selfish members? We must die to self and take up the cross. Yes, there are burdens to bear, but there are blessings to enjoy when you take up the cross. Let me just give you a few thoughts about that, and then we'll be done. And they're brief. Think about Simon bearing the cross. See yourself as you've been invited to take up the cross. What did it do for him? Well, first of all, it brought him into fellowship with Jesus. You cannot come after me, he said. You cannot commune with me. You cannot walk with me unless you're willing to take up the cross and bear it. The Spurgeon said this, he says, that face, the face of Jesus, that face, that matchless face, he, that is Simon, had never seen its like. Majesty was therein blended with misery, innocence with agony, and love with sorrow. He had never seen that countenance so well, nor mar marked the whole form of the Son of Man so clearly if he had not been called to bear that cross. It is wonderful how much we see of Jesus when we suffer or labor for him. 
Believing souls, I pray that this day you may be so impressed into the Lord's service that you may have nearer and dearer fellowship with him than in the past. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine. They see Jesus best who carry his cross most. You see, it is in the shade of suffering and cross-bearing that we see the brilliant glory of Jesus Christ. You've gone through things in life, great difficulties and great trials, burdens that you would never wish to bear. And what have you found in the midst of them? If you've looked, you found Jesus standing in the shadows there for you. And you've come to know him as Paul said, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And we say, amen. But it doesn't stop there. And the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. You see, not only did it bring him into fellowship with Jesus, but it kept him close to Jesus. It brought him close to Jesus, but it kept him close to Jesus. Hey, listen, we need to keep our shoulder underneath the beam of the cross because it'll keep us close to Jesus. The songwriter wrote it this way, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Nothing can seal it like bearing the cross. Keep bearing it. Don't lay it down. Don't eschew it. Don't avoid it. Because if you hold on to it, he's got one end. You got the other. You can't drift far from him when you're hanging on to the cross. Some of us have let it down. It's time to pick it up. You know you're not where you once were. And you know why. Confess it. Forsake it. And pick it up. Not only did it keep him close, but notice this. It ensured, him, it ensured that he would walk in the steps of Jesus. What is a disciple? A disciple is a follower. He's a learner. Do you know what uh, old, old uh, Simon had to do? He was following Jesus' lead. By the way, Jesus wasn't walking the pace that Simon could have walked. He didn't have the strength, the physical strength in that moment that Simon had. So Simon had to temper himself. If we're going to follow Jesus, we can't get out in front of him. We can't do what we want. We can't go in our own strength. We must depend upon him. We must follow his steps. And all that accompanies it, the spit, the objects thrown, the ridicules received, we're with him. We don't like that. We're troubled by it. But it keeps us in the steps of Jesus. And then finally, it allowed him the opportunity to share in the sufferings of Jesus. And it ensured that he would share in the glory of his resurrection. I want you to see Simon years later. When anybody called his name, they knew immediately who he was. Oh, you're talking about the man who picked up the cross and helped Jesus carry it to Golgotha. That guy. Yeah. And so here he is now laying in the bed of death, surrounded by his family and telling his sons, I don't regret one moment that I lifted that cross. 
the blessings I enjoyed and endured, uh, experienced with that cross on my shoulder, the Lord that I came to know with that cross on my shoulder, the lessons he taught me about how to depend upon him with that cross upon my shoulder. I don't regret it for one minute. And when I see Jesus again, I won't have a cross, I'll have a crown. And we're looking forward to that day. So may God help us not to shirk, not to remove our shoulder from the cross, but may God help us today to answer the call. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used his word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.